Yes, sir. And welcome to the Road to Damascus, where it's not about the road, it's about the journey. And I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of Road to Damascus. I'm, of course, Brock Hendricks. And before I introduce the people that's going to help me navigate this ship, I want to tell you how you can be a participant with the show. Like I always say, you can reach us at Road to Damascus. That's Road the number two, Damascus at iCloud.com. As well as on social media, we are on Instagram as well as Twitter. And that's Road to Damascus, Road the number two to Damascus. Give us a follow, give us a like. If you have any suggestions, show ideas, or things you'd like to hear us discuss, or any overall feedback, shoot us an email or the DMs are always open. So, with that being said, let me introduce the people that's going to help me navigate this ship today. We always go ladies first. So, to the one sitting in front of me, the undisputed champ, the rabbi. Say what's up, Rabbi. How you doing today? How you doing today? Meant to hit the applause button. Sorry about the laugh. Everybody. And returning back to uh, Jeopardy, uh, the returning champion, (laughs) my main man, Steph. Say what up, Steph. What up, dog? How you doing? How you doing? All right. I'm good. Lauren isn't with us today. She had a prior engagement. But as we always do, we not keep this ship going. So uh, today's topic is actually based on something that I saw a friend of mine who has a podcast. Um, Shout out to my boy Q Lewis. Um, But his podcast is anything like ours. (laughs) So so if you want to listen to it, but um, he had posted on his uh, Instagram page. um, It was off of Michael Bays. Then I don't know if it was his Facebook or off of his Instagram or not. But for those of you who don't know who Michael Bazin is, Michael Bazin is a well-known radio personality. He used to have a large syndicated radio show. I believe he's on internet radio now. He had a late night talk show that he did on BET. So uh, well-known. So this is how it starts off. Can we have a civil conversation about why some people stop believing in God Hashtag atheism. And then he goes on to say this. Let me begin by saying that my non-belief doesn't put me at odds with those who believe. What does create conflict is their insistence that what they believe, what they believe is absolute. Even though it's called a belief system specifically because it's not based on belief, not science or facts. Now to my journey to non-belief, I used to go to church, did the Bible Tootin, sanctified thing, hung with Muslim brothers, even considered practicing practicing Buddhism. But as I matured and began educating myself, I came to the realization that people's religious affiliations is mainly based on geography. In other words, what we believe is mostly based on the part of the world that we grew up in. But what impacted me most was studying human behavior. What I think we all can agree on is most religious people are hypocrites and have a Buffett mentality when it comes to following the teacher, excuse me, the teaching of their belief system. They follow the rules they are comfortable with and blame the rest of human beings or the devil. That's not God-like, it's human-like. Lastly, the guilt associated with religion is psychologically damaging. To believe that an omnipresent being is listening to your every thought Judging your every sexual desire and dictating every chapter of your life is not empowering, empowering its enslavement, in my opinion. I do not need to believe in talking snakes, seas parting, burning bushes that talk, resurrections or revelations of the end of the world to be a good person. All I have to do is practice being a kind, well-intentioned, charitable and honest person each day and then raise my children with those same values. That's it. And the only reward I need is to see those I raise and help pay it forward to the next person. You can keep your ticket to the pearly gates. Furthermore, the fear of a vengeful God is such a childish way to control people. And the idea of being rewarded with an internal afterlife and a cloud mansion with a view is shallow and selfish. Humans should do the right thing simply because it's the right thing to do. 
And we should assume that those who have the good fortune are blessed and those who have bad luck are shouldn't, excuse me. And we shouldn't assume that those who have good fortune are blessed and those who have bad luck are cursed. Sometimes life just happens. And other times we make dumb, dumbass choices that ruin our lives until we start making better ones. Once you embrace that there's no one in control and that there's no master plan for your life, you start living a better life because you realize only you can make it heaven or hell. Again, that's what I believe. Michael Bazden, hashtag transparency is my religion. Now, I know some of y'all might flip out about me just using a profane word. <laughs> I know Shonda. <laughs> First I'm C, Shonda. <laughs> Shonda. I so I just read what was on the, the right. thing. So um, I'm not going to hell for that, am no. I, Shonda? No. Stefan, am I going to hell for, for that? I really wasn't feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I just read that long soliloquy, and I know you had already read it, Shonda, and I know Stefan – Read it as well. So So go ahead, Shonda. What do you think? Uh, Michael, Michael, Michael. Um, I've read everything you said. I I heard it again when you said it. And for me, kindness, uh, loving, honorable, well-intentioned people, where do these concepts come from? The concept of right and wrong that he mentioned – where do these concepts come from? You know, where did you get this from, this concept of right and wrong? All of these things go back um, to biblical concepts that you cannot avoid. I mean, because you're a non-theist or an atheist, you believe that you don't believe in any God. Um, that does not negate the existence of a God. You know, because you feel like I'm in control of my own life does not make it such. Um, you know, when you look at the expanse of, of the universe, you know, when you look at the, the laws of nature that control everything, when you look at the fact that you can't control the rate at which you blink, you know, the rate at which you breathe, the beating of your heart, you can't number the, count the number of hairs on your head or look at, at your bones growing inside of your body. You cannot tell me that there's something not at work that's not you. You're not in control. You couldn't even think of a ship with no one at the helm and feel comfortable because we're all on the ship. Anybody can do it. Why would you treat your life that way? I don't even know if we got to say anything else after that. She just dropped the mic. All right. Well, uh, she'll be here all week. Don't forget to tip your waiters and waitresses on the way out. Steph, what do you think from what you just heard? Um, well, He's uh, unfortunately, I mean, he's confused, um, and we all go through those times of confusion, you know, and struggle. And obviously, this is a phase in his life, and I hope that it's a short-lived phase. But um, I can only go based off of what the words is, and I kind of look at and so I think we talked about an episode prior to, and uh, I think we it was an episode that we had kind of talked about. We said, um, how do we um, get people into the gospel. And I think the number one thing I said, I kind of looked at some back notes just now, and I said relational. You know what I'm saying? And it's important to be relational because I think we've all had those phases to where we've questioned our own faith. You know what I'm saying? And questioned certain things that is like, <clears throat> is this right? It, am I doing this right? Or is this what I think it is? And, and those different things. And then you have to rely on those encounters and those things that you have with God that, you know within yourself that he's revealed himself to you. And um, he said a lot of things that are, um, you know, extremely humanistic towards people would think that they can control certain things. And uh, no, I'm, it's no way that that's, it, this is all irrational thinking that he's thinking. Um, and I mean, it's, that's pretty much what it is. I re- it's really kind of hard to dissect and break down. I mean, I would have, of course, I would listen, but I have a rebuttal to it. Right. You know, for sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let, let's kind of break this down a little bit okay. and um, just dive in a little deeper. Um, <clears throat> and before we dive in deeper, I'll just give my, my two cents to 
um, answer my own question. When I read it, um, it struck me as a lot of times people that I know that believed and no longer believe all have the same issue where it was based on the hypocrisy of other people mm -hmm. and other people making you feel a certain kind of way, which I can kind of understand that notion and that feeling, but to kind of piggyback a little bit based on what Stefan said, this is because what we've done in the church is we haven't taught relationships. We've taught religion, we've taught rules, we've taught tradition, but we haven't taught relationship. And if you have a relationship, then you'll understand that in a relationship, you're not always going to do the thing that's going to satisfy the other person. But in a relationship, when a person loves you, it's unconditional. And a lot of times what people do is they hide behind religion to be able to treat others a certain way or um, negatively impact other people's lives. So when I re read that, I definitely can understand that feeling, but this tells me that Michael Bazden's circle or the people who um, poured into him didn't pour into him about the relational aspect. They poured into him about the religional aspect. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Yep. So that's how I, I, that's my perception when I read it. So let's um, dig in. So he started off talking about, um, but as I matured, I began educating myself and I came to re the realization that people's re religious affiliation is mainly based on geography. So that first part, um, what do you think about that, Rabbi? I think to a certain extent, it's it's true. You know, the, the people in India, most of them, you know, are Buddhist, Hindu. Buddhist or Hindu. Know. Right. Um, people in certain regions adapt to whatever the major or the dominant religion is. Well, the two world's most largest religions is Christianity and Islam or Muslim are okay. the two largest. I agree. Um, but at some point... You have to become responsible. Like I wrote the question, whose fault is it? Or whose responsibility is it? At a certain point, it's your responsibility to go in search of truth or to go in, in search of God. We, we came up at a time where our relationship was based on all the things we couldn't do. Like you couldn't wear pants, you couldn't wear jewelry, you couldn't play sports, you couldn't play at a sorority, you couldn't play cards, you couldn't go to football games. You know, if you yelling like that at the football games, you ought to yell like that for God. It was, it was always that kind of comparison. And when we got old enough to realize that there was nothing wrong with wearing jewelry, there's nothing wrong with wearing pants, there's nothing wrong with wearing makeup, there's nothing wrong with going to a football game, we realized all these things that you had told us were sin was not. So now we slid all of that to the side. And along with that went the relationship aspect because that's all you had to build a relationship with God. They didn't come back and pour in to talk about the conversations that you should have with God, the way your heart posture should be towards God, the way you should be treating each other, you know, how you should treat people who don't look like you, who don't believe what you believe, people who sin differently from you. So we don't have that relational aspect with God. So we're not going to have that relational aspect with each other. So whatever region you're from, whatever country you're from, whatever the religion is you have adapted to, at a certain age of accountability, you are responsible for the truth. And the lack thereof will be no excuse. I wanted to, can you uh, reread what you had said at the beginning? Um, he said, but as I mature and begin educating myself, I came to the realization that people's religious affiliation is mainly based on geography. Oh, okay. In other words, we mostly believe based on what part of the world we grew up in. Yeah. I mean, that, that would have a bearing on that. And I really don't have to go behind what Shonda said, cause she pretty much broke that down perfectly. And that, you know, what we kind of, how we were raised, 
um, in fact, uh, or it impacted us individually. But I will say, um, you know, we grew up in a, a very unique generation. Like we grew up when the internet first started, right? And then y'all remember the dial-up. Yes. <laughs> Two minutes, minimum four pages to fully load, bro. Right. <laughs> you that? You Two I minutes. Two minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Versus now. And it's probably two seconds. Right. Two seconds max. If a page don't load in two seconds, there's an issue. You know what I'm saying? My internet's messed up. Right. We live in a generation where Pandora, you get five skips or three skips. Once it's done, bro, I'm tired of this app. It's over. Right. Amazon Prime. I got an Amazon Prime. Two days shipping. If it's not here in two days, I'm calling and complaining. I want my money back or a free package. Right. So we live in a right now generation. And that right now generation doesn't give God the room to be God. See what I'm saying? It actually makes us the initiators and God the responder. But it's actually in reverse. God is the initiator and we are the responders. People fail to to remember that. God initiates something in his word. He said, without faith it's impossible to please God, but he that comes to God must first believe that he is and God is rewarded to him that diligently seeks him. Right? But no, it's, hey, God, I need you to show me some things first. You know what I'm saying? Then I'm going to believe. Then you got me. He don't need us, though. Right. <laughs> At all. At all. At See what I'm saying? So people think that God is trying to pitch something to us. It's not the case. He has so much love to offer us. And when people really understand that the start of a disbelief is the lack of faith. And it is the dependency on self and people, then a lot of people can understand where that disconnect is coming from. It is a lack of faith. And it is a dependency on self and people. You're getting your information from people. You're looking at yourself. I can control this. I can do this. I can do that. I look at myself every single day. And the thing that that increases my faith in God is when I know that I am not in control. I'm not. Because we're not. We're not. And I look at myself. Right. I look at myself like that, and I have to be reminded of that. Stefan runs a business. Stefan fills up his truck. Stefan gets up. Stefan eats what he wants. Stefan pays for what he wants. Stefan can hire who he wants. Stefan can fire who he wants. So then I look at my all this, this power that I have from a natural standpoint, and it can easily get into somebody's mind that, hold on, are you sure there's a God, bro? I ain't seeing him every day. You see what you turn on. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? I'm on social media and TikTok every day, and that's flooded in my mind. I don't see God in it. Right. Right? You pick up your Bible and you read this book. This book is full of imagination, and it's full of stories that gives us imagination right now to, to, to see what God really did and who he is in our lives. You open that up, and then he opens up your heart, and then you begin to see things as clear as it is seeing my truck when I started. As clear as it is when I see V right now, and I see Shonda over there. Those are very clear things, but it is very important that we exercise that daily to where I see I don't have control. I am a rich. I do see that thorn on my side that 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 Paul talked about. I don't know what his was, but I know what mine is. I know exactly what mine is. <laughs> I know what mine is. feel it all the time. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So I do see those things that make me and requires me to be faithful in God, to trust God. Right. And it's really it's, it's, it's disheartening. To hear that people are going through the struggle, but just as Jesus said, it is not the healthy that need the doctor, but the sick. Right. And that's why we're here. Right. You know, ed- education is tricky. You know, we all need it at some point. Um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Education does not disprove the existence of God, it validates it. So if you are actually educating yourself for real, there's no way you won't run into or encounter God. If you learn about your body and how it works and all the mechanisms that go into keeping everything flowing, you can't do that. There's not a doctor can, that can do that. They can go in after something goes wrong and, and, and use the wisdom that God's given them to fix it, but they can't maintain it. God maintains it. If you look at the earth, you know, if you look at the the cola borehole, which is so many meters down, that there's no machine that can drill further than that because it keeps burning up the machines. That's God. 
there's nothing you can do. There's no education around it. There's no way you can educate yourself above God. Anything before him was too early. Anything after him is too late. There's no searching of his understanding. Where were you when he stretched out the heavens? How many pebbles of sand are on the beach? You don't know. His ways are past finding out. As far as the heaven is above the earth is his knowledge above ours. There's no amount of education that you can get to disprove the existence. Amen. No, that's that's true. Um, I, I guess I look at it like this. I don't even have to. I'll, I'll give two examples. I don't. One, I don't think we have to look at, at the world. Let's just look in the United States. People from the South are typically Baptists. People from the Midwest are typically, I would probably say, depending on if you're looking at like um, the black church would be a Pentecostal or apostolic or Methodist. Those are the three big ones in the Midwest. Um, Then you have um, evangelical Christians, predominantly when you're talking about white people in the Midwest. But even in in the South, the white people, Southern Baptist leadership, you know what I'm saying? Like okay. it's not it's the, the black Southern, the black Baptist and the white Baptist, right. you know, and things like that. Then when you go um, more East Coast, you have more Catholicism. Right. Um, so, you know, but the commonality there is God. And then when I start to go across the world, all right, Muslims, Muslims believe in God. Muslims believe in Jesus. They don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, Mm -hmm. but they believe that Jesus was a prophet. Right. So even with that, there's intertwining. When you start to pull the thread, you just start to see that, that we're more alike than we are different. Right. The part is, it becomes like you said, Sean, the education part where it's like, um, you know, it makes me think of Paul and not Paul, excuse Solomon. In Ecclesiastics, when he said, I did it all, I tried it all, Mm -hmm. Solomon was out there. See, and the thing with Ecclesiastics is we don't know if Solomon wrote this at the end of his life because it's not Ecclesiastics reads like somebody who's reaching the end. Right. And if it's at the end of his life, we talking about a man who saw God, was visited by God. Right. And still built temples Mm -hmm. for idols. Now, now, think about that, Stefan. (laughs) Think about that, Shonda. This is a man who God personally came to visit. Saw him, knew who God was, knew that everything he had came because of God, mm-hmm. yet still built idols for, I mean, excuse me, still built temples for idols. So, and I could have added that to the next part I'm going to bring up, but what I'm just saying is, is when you start to pull this thread, you start to see that we're more alike than we are different. And what we have to do especially as Christians and me and Shonda was kind of having this conversation before the podcast when we were uh, waiting on Stefan was the part of, do you know how to talk to somebody, bring them to Christ who isn't like you, somebody who's different, who might have a tinge of belief that you have, right. but can you bring them home? Can you re- reel in that? Like when you fish it, you see, you get to <laughs> pull it, you wrestling with it. It's like, all right, do you, you know, you got to go to a separate side of the boat. You got right. to have, you got to have the right equipment. If we fishing, you need a good net. You need a, you need all it. Like, like if, if we just picking up little, little bluegills and all that, you just use a little kid. But when we going salmon and tuna and all that other stuff, we didn't all watch deadliest catch. You yeah. know, <laughs> if they ain't got that equipment, they they drowning, they dying, they get knocked off that boat, or they going home empty handed. So I'll just leave that part there. So let's just go to this next part, which I know this this is the part that always gets them. What I think we can all agree on is most religious people are hypocrites, and I have misspoken when I said this. I I said Buffett because I thought of Warren Buffett when I saw it, but it's Buffet. Uh, most re- uh, religious people are hypocrites and have a buffet mentality when it comes to following the teachings of their belief system. They follow the rules that are comfortable and blame the rest on human beings of the devil. That's not God. Like it's human. Like I'm going to go with you to start that part, rabbi. Cause I know you read, read that last part again. They follow the rules that are comfortable. They are comfortable with mm-hmm. and blame the rest 
on being human or the devil. Right. That's not God-like, it's human-like. I think there's a certain aspect of that that's true. Okay, there's definitely a certain aspect of that that is true. There are many people who approach the word, and as long as it's comfortable for them, they're okay. Yes, we should praise. Yes, we should worship. You know, yes, we're going to try our best to love everybody. Yes, but then when it comes down to changing and and not sinning, then we skip over those parts, you know, that, that affect us or the, personally, um, that attack how we feel about ourselves. And that's anything that challenges how you feel about yourself. It's going to be met with some resistance from you. But as I say all the time, um, nobody is absolved of accountability. It doesn't matter if you don't like it. It doesn't matter that it hurts your feelings. God's not concerned about your feelings. He's concerned about your soul. So, um, and you saying that's just me because I'm human, that's a cop-out. I don't care who says it. It's a cop-out. You're not absolved from needing to change, needing to work on yourself. You have to meet God's expectations. God don't have to meet yours. You know, and it's, it's foolish to think of it any other way, to try to make God human or to make his word palatable um, for you. He said it. He meant it. It's the truth. You can't change it. It's infallible. Doesn't matter what your religious belief is. You're still responsible for the word of God. If that's not the case, then we all, everybody, we all just on our way to heaven no matter how we live. All of us are challenged by the word of God. Absolutely. No, but I'll just say this before I go to you, Steph. The thing that's funny to me is the word, like, and and, and this is what bothers me. And I'm going to do something that I rarely do on this podcast. I'm going to defend the church. Go for it. Why is it that we only complain about church people being hypocrites? Everybody is a hypocrite. We only follow the stuff we want to do. Tell me what's the last time you did the speed limit. We only follow. Tell me in Michigan, you are required to drive with car insurance. How many times have people driven without car insurance and then get mad when they get because uh, they took it away. But they had a driver responsibility fee right. that if you got caught without car insurance for two years in a row, you had to pay a two hundred dollar fine. Mm -hmm. Now, you sitting there crying about it, but you selectively decided to drive with no car insurance. Right. I mean, so everybody is hypocritical. We hypocritical when we come to work with jobs. We 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 the way we 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 complain when somebody owe us money, but when we owe money, we don't want to pay it back, and right, we right. want to be tight with the dollars, all that other stuff. But only church folks is the ones that's so hypocritical we can't we can't deal with them. That bothers me, as the old dude would say. Yeah, that that bothers, bothers me. <laughs> I mean, you but you feel what I'm saying, Steph? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like we only charge church people with being hypocrites when everybody is a hypocrite in every walk of life there is hypocrisy i agree with you i agree with you 100 my problem is not that that there's no hypocrisy in the church my problem is that you lie about it. <laughs> oh well well that's a different you know that's I mean? a different conversation it's there it's right. there what we don't get is to lie about it what we don't get is to pretend that it's not that's oh, yeah. my issue. Oh, yeah. Well, no, yeah. if anybody, I, I mean, well, I nobody at this table. Yeah, no. I, well, that part I would agree with. Nobody yeah. at this table is going to sit here and be like, oh, no, that's going on. Pretty sure that's going on. A little bit of that. A little bit of this. So, but go ahead, Steph. No, I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. I was actually going to use it. No, no, no. I was actually going to use the exact same uh, thing, but I was going to kind of say when, when it comes to working out. You know what I'm saying? People follow the regiments that are easy, and you wonder why they're in the gym doing the exact same thing, but then they don't do the the harder workouts. Right. So a lot of it is really just a cop-out on things that people don't want. Like, he can easily say that it was hypocritical in what he said if I'm really rebuttaling what he's saying because he's making it seem like, hey, following God is kind of pointless because I got, I got to do all this stuff just to be able to gain God's acceptance. <laughs> It's the exact same thing that you're saying that people are doing from a humanistic standpoint. Right. And they're they're it's it's harder for them to actually follow the things that they know they need to follow because that's a struggle. Mm -hmm. Either it's a shortcoming or it's just something that somebody hasn't given up yet and released. Right. You know, I, I like to think of the thing that's like this. And, you know, when you're an engineer and stuff like that, uh, you create a boat. 
a bolt for a certain thing, a bolt that has a certain thread, and it's a bolt certain size. Can't just go to the to the chest if you need a bolt a bolt and put it in, think it's gonna work on one application that it wasn't designed for. Mm-hmm. So I look at it like this. God blesses who you're intended to be, not who you want to be. It's the exact same thing with every single thing that he's talking about in that exact same regard. All of us have to get to the point, and we've all done our work here at the table and still doing our work. So we're, we're seeing God bless us and certain things manifest in our life because we're putting in the work to grow. I'm even at a phase right now to where I struggle with certain things like today. I can't talk about this without that experience. You just made me think of something. Okay. I love us. Uh-huh. Um, no matter how beautiful uh-huh. that butterfly is when he comes out, uh-huh. he can never see his wings. Like He can never see the beauty of his own wings. Other people see the beauty and admire it. 100%. We're the same way. 100%. There are going to be times when you don't see mm-hmm. what's happening with you. Other people will see it. So for him to have this, this idea that just because you can't see it, you don't feel it, then maybe there's no existence of God because I'm in control of everything. That caterpillar had to make that journey up to the cocoon. It doesn't matter. When he gets a certain age, it's going to happen. It's just in him. He's going to emerge, come out as a butterfly. Nothing he could do about it. That's what he was born to do. Mm-hmm. How is it that you can take that concept that because I'm not in control of it, or I'm in control of my of my own life. No, you can decide what job you know you want. You can't add no more time to your life. You can't. Add, you in control. Add some more days. You can't. Eat. Yeah. You, can't <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you know what I am. I'm gonna add a few more days. You can't add no more days to your life, but you can certainly add more life to your days. That's a hundred percent. We're not in control. No. I'm in control of this podcast. No, <laughs> be careful that boy. No. <laughs> that, that circuit board. Hey, what it say? Like on uh, on Titanic, they said God couldn't even sink this ship. Oh, really? It went down. Oh, really? While the music was. And then uh, the last thing I wanted to um, address from him, and before I take it one last way before we end, but he said, um, lastly, the guilt associated with religion religion is psychologically damaging to believe that an omnipresent being is listening to your every thought, judging your every sexual desire and dictating every chapter of your life is not empowering. It's enslavement. In my opinion, I don't need to believe in talking snakes, seas parting, burning bushes that talk resurrections or revelations of the end of the world to be a good person. All I have to do is practice being a kind, well-intentioned, charitable, and honest person. I'll just end that part there. He don't want he. Um, I'll just skip ahead a little bit. He said, um, "You can keep your ticket to the pearly gates." Furthermore, the fear of a vengeful God is such a childish way to control people, and the idea being rewarded with internal afterlife with a cloud mansion with a view is shallow and selfish. So. Go ahead, Rabbi. I guess if that were true, then, yeah, it would be shallow and and selfish. Uh, But that's not it. You know, God's not just sitting there with a microphone to our lips listening, you know, to everything you say, waiting to hit you with a hammer or judging our, you know, your sexual, um, your sexivities or things like that, waiting to hit you with a hammer. He's giving you um, a roadmap of how to avoid certain traps. He's giving you a roadmap um, for the healing of your soul. It's not a rule book like that of a bunch of don'ts. It's a book of you don't have to. You have a choice. Mr. Bazin and so many other people, you have a choice. You can live your life as reckless as you want. You can slide through here naked on a banana peel full of gasoline on your way to hell. If that's what you want, you have the choice. What you don't get to do is blame God for the consequences of your choices. And you've said that you said that plenty of times before that you don't get to do that stuff. <clears throat> Y'all ever watch Family Guy? I know you have. Yeah, Shadi, you ever watch I've Family Guy? I've seen a couple episodes. Googity goo. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, right. So there's an episode on there where uh, Peter Griffin, he uh, had, <laughs> it's not funny, but he had a, uh, I just think about the funny episode, but he had like a stroke. And his whole, like, I think it was his right side and his body. It was 
like straight down, straight split in half. That's his usually right, how strokes. Yeah, his whole do. right side was gone. Mm. Like face was droopy, his leg was all twisted, his arm was down. So he didn't know how to live. So he's like, he's walking down the street and he sees this thing that just says stem cell research. He walks in w- with the stroke. He comes back out a normal person. And the first thing he says is, why are we funding this? Now, of course, that was a political statement by right. uh, Seth MacFarlane, who is the creator of the show. Um, I will say that you haven't experienced God until you've experienced God. Right. See what I'm saying? A lot of people talk from a lot of different perspectives. And all of this right now is words without experience. That's all it is. You can read the Bible and you can see a ton of words. But the Holy Spirit is the one that gives you the revelation on the word. See what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit is the one that gives you the revelation on that word. So I can say within my life, if I didn't experience God in my life, we would probably be on that other side believing everything that he's saying within that story, right? Within everything that he's saying. It's about experiencing it. That was the reason why I used that show as kind of like a setup for that because he didn't experience and understand what the stem cell research was, but then he went in, he saw that it restored him. Right. Made him whole again. He didn't even, he he knew he had a stroke. He thought he was going to be done. Goes in, comes out a new person. Came out how, how he was before. Right. If not better. Right. So this is what God does for us. His his the things aren't there set before us to um, um, kind of keep us regulated. It's to keep us. It's to allow us to be free from bondage. Right. You don't know that you're in shackles unless it's revealed to you, and then you get to see these things. Like you get to see you going on these paths and you going on these different things where you where you you're low and you're in in, in deep stuff, and then you see God free you right. from shackles. And certain things. So then you understand the things that he's saying within his word isn't there to control us. It's there to keep us free, to fly, to do the things that God wants us to do, to be that person that he wants to bless. Like I said before, each each one of us was predestined with a plan that God has for us. He does not bless the person you want to be. He blesses the person you're intended to be. And when you figure that out, and you see that God gives you that revelation in your life, then you begin to experience God. And once you experience God, really hard to turn from that. No, I I, I agree. That very poignant statement, Stephanie. It's just, to me, I don't so often wonder, like, because one of the most profound things in the Bible is when God comes to Job. And he says, who is this who desires counsel? With no knowledge. Like yeah, he said, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Right. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what version you right, read, right, but right, I'm, right, right. I'm just trying to give a simpler version. But it, it's like, like we don't know what we don't know. But we sure talk like we know what we're talking about. Right. And it's like, and I know maybe Mr. Bazin, if he was listening, would be like, see, that's what I'm talking about. Look how God allowed all this stuff to happen. He he did this to Job. He didn't do anything to Job. Not one thing. Not one thing that happened to Job happened did God, do. did God do to him. That's one thing that we have. Job thought God was doing it to him right. because he was only <laughs> complaining to God about the things that were happening to him. Right. Now, I can understand there are some people who do things and blame it on the devil, and then there are people that have had psychological damage done to them because they've been taught a certain way, but that's because of how they've been taught. Um, I had a conversation with my cousin the other day. Um, and I said that there's a difference between being taught and what you've learned. Like we learn things because we learn by observing and watching. And those are more traditions, right? You know, Thanksgiving is coming up. And whoever house y'all have Thanksgiving at, well, we traditionally have it here. Right. We don't question that we have it at Big Mama House every year. We just know on Thanksgiving, we go to Big Mama House every year. So, you know, your mama going to make this and your auntie going to make that. And everybody know what to bring. Right. Because that's tradition. You've learned throughout the years what you need to do for this to happen this way. Right. But you have to be taught 
how to make the macaroni and cheese. You have to be yes, taught how to make the, the collard green. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? So that I can't just look and be like, well, if I could, because somebody comes with some macaroni and cheese that don't taste like we used to eating, you're not going to want to eat it. Right. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? So it's like, when I read that part, it's like the psychological damage and all this other stuff. Like, when I read the Bible, I see a loving God that loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. Right. That whosoever believes shall not perish but have everlasting life. I don't see the the issue is, and I, it, and this is why I say I can agree with some. The church has made us believe that we should serve God for a greater reward on the other end. I serve God because of what he did for me on this end, because I can't control what happens on the other end because I don't get to, again, I don't get to control what he says to me. Right. I can serve him in spirit and truth and believe that I'm headed that way. Right. I want to hear of my good and faithful servant with whom I'm well pleased, but I don't want to hear depart from me. You worker of iniquity. I knew thee not. <laughs> your face Man. but you understand what i'm saying Absolutely. so it's just one of those things where it's like i often just wonder and to me it's more or less the circles you run in and unfortunately the people you can get around that can really start to make you question and, and um your your own belief system you get what i'm saying Stefan? like a lot of times the company you keep evil communication corrupts good manner and things like that, because at the end of the day, there's a lot of well-intentioned, nice people. I mean, we're not telling people to be nice and things like that, which I have something I'm going to bring up on the other side. But so let me ask you guys this. <clears throat> so somebody who will be listening to this podcast, who is a non-believer or whatnot, they would be and they would say, all right, I'm listening but y'all talking about the Bible and the church stuff and all of that. So y'all not talking from the aspect of saying anything. This man tells you he read it. He don't believe it no more. Right. That's what somebody who they say. They, so they say, so talk to me from a non church aspect church. Talk to me from a aspect of make me tell me everything you telling me without talking about Jesus. How would you approach that? First of all, I think the, the things because that, that's the pushback you're gonna get. I'm right. just saying the the things that the things that I say I say because I, like Stephen said because of experience and all of these are not church experiences. You know what I mean? This is not because of something that happened in church. Like that's a small portion of my life. You live the majority of your life outside of church, so your relationship. A relationship with God is not church-based because if you don't go to church, you still need a relationship with something more powerful um, than you. People stop believing um, in God or people refuse to believe in God for so many reasons, frustrations, anger, hard times, environmental tragedies, lack of accountability. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I'm grown. I do what I want to do. Looking at other people who they feel like are less than them have more than them. People stop believing in God for so many reasons or simply following their tribe. Whatever my group believes, that's what I'm going to go with. Hey, God ain't failing you at all. He's just not giving you the plans and expectations you created for you. Steph? Um, I, I would say... um. My true faith be began when I started to look at myself and see the struggles that I had. And I seen the areas to where I thought that it was things that was making me holy and the mm. things that was making me godlike. And I started to see I couldn't control anything. Like everything was, oh, I would think this thought. I probably shouldn't think that. Or I'm doing this and I have no way. I'm I'm feeling down. I'm feeling I'm feeling bad and my emotions are all over the place and I'm struggling. I'm doing different things. I was really going through that really tough when my brother had passed. And I went down this road mm -hmm. of doing certain things that I didn't want to do. And I knew I didn't want to do it because God was still shining through me. So when everybody was gone and everybody left the room and nobody was there, the only person that stayed was God. He was the only person that stayed still feeding me with, it's okay. I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I think I said before, uh, God teaches us 
uh, through one part of love because his love is so deep, but he teaches us through one part of love that um, commitment. Commitment is love, a form of love. If you say, when God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, that shows right there he is committed to us. He said he's not going anywhere, even through our struggles. So I started to look at myself and I started to say, all right, God has given me the option to control my situations. And then he's still standing there while I make the mistakes. So he's so patient with me and so graceful with me. And yet when I make those mistakes, he doesn't hold it over my head. He still has open arms allowing me to come back to him. And I can do those a million times and he's still going to be patient with me. But people will count me out one time. I can do a million things right and I mess up on one time. My name is destroyed. God's not doing that. So when I look at that and I look at the capacity to love and the people that have done, done me wrong, people that have slandered my name, people that have talked against me, said certain things against me, and God is still giving me the capacity to love those people. That's not me. That's God because every now and then I'll think about that situation and I want to go back there and God's like, no, nah, move forward. I got something greater for you. My plans are to, to prosper you. Like in Jeremiah 29 and 11 where it says, I'm going to pop that one up real quick because I definitely had it on there. So it's in my forefront of my mind. <laughs> what, you wanted to say it too? Go ahead. That's what? This is, I know the thoughts that I think. Yeah, for I know the plans I have for you, yeah. declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. So I think on those things and it's like when – you look at those things and you think about God and all the plans that he has for us and the direction that he wants us to go. It's, it far exceeds the plans that we have for ourselves, the greatest ideas we have for ourselves. So, I mean, that's that will be without pitching anything. That's my experience. And he doesn't feel like you don't deserve it. 100%. Like at the at your lowest point of you with yourself, like I – like, I don't even know why I'm here anymore. Mm -hmm. He reminds you that I chose you. I knew exactly who you were. I knew exactly what you were going to do. I knew exactly what you were going to say in this moment. I knew exactly who you were going to be in this situation. I still choose you. I haven't changed my mind about you. And I called you knowing that this is what was going to happen. It just doesn't get any better than that. Amen. I, th I think I said, hold on, let me just say this real quick, B. Go ahead. I think you posted this on the Road to Damascus page one time, and it said it wouldn't be faith it didn't require you to sacrifice your own understanding and trust God to obtain it. Right? Absolutely. Facts. Right on. <laughs> so how I would personally approach people, um, once they go there, that's where you have to just have a little bit of knowledge of apology or being an apologist, excuse me. And I would just ask them, you know, I say, you know, I, he talked about being a good person and all of these morality and things like that. Why? Where do, where, where do morals come from? I mean, you kind of said this at the beginning, Shonda, with your uh, opening statement, but where do morality come from? Why do we have to have morals? What, who, who said you got to be a good person? Why do you have to be a good person? If you want something, take it. If you if you if you if you want it, take it. I mean, at the end of the day, what people don't understand is our morality based system. One it's deep inside of us that we know what's right and what's wrong, that we shouldn't do what we should and shouldn't do. Now, some people you say they psychologically off and all that other stuff. I'm not addressing that. I'm just talking about for the most part. We are. Where, where does that deep internal morality come from Shonda where does that yearning to do the right thing come from does it come from nothingness did when the universe slammed together and and and, and all these particles came together something deep inside of you let you know that you needed to be good to your neighbor nope. that you shouldn't because at the end of the day what's stopping me from going into my neighbor's yard and say yeah I'm gonna put a pool right here right um and and your neighbor be like what and then i just shoot him and say i said i was putting a pool here he didn't agree right so i'm gonna put the pool here because i ain't got to deal with him no more exactly the fact that we have morality the fact that we feel the need to be good the fact that we don't just go out and take what we want what some people do but the fact that we don't 
rob banks and Stefan has a desire to build homes and do it in a way that somebody is appreciative of and he's not cutting corners and, you know, putting right. stuff up where as soon as he sell the house is going to collapse on people. Why do you do that, Stefan? I mean, I know why you do it, but I'm just saying that is all morality based. Morality based is based on the belief of somebody who tells you you should have morals. And who is the one telling us we should have morals, Shonda? All that company. That's where I'm hitting them with. So if you're listening to this podcast and you decided to want to know what, I mean, y'all keep bringing up church stuff. I don't, I don't got to bring up church stuff. I'm going to lure you in. Without, I ain't even got to open my Bible. Let's have a different conversation. Because at the end of the day, you you have morals. Why, why, why do you feel the need to protect and take care of your child? Why does the examples that God gives about his relationship with Jesus is, is one to understand that of a father and a child? Why does he say that if your earthly father do for you, how much more would your heavenly father do for you? Right. And why does the enemy try to take the father out of the home? So that example doesn't hold true anymore. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Yes. So what's this? Go ahead. Read it, Steph. You read it. Because uh, that just hones in what you just said. Philippians 4 and 8, Stefan just gave this to me, so I'm going to give you credit. There's finally, credit. brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good, good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think of these things. These things which ye have both learned and received and heard, and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Amen. Bam. So that that's that's how I look at it. So before we uh close this topic out and hit the block is hot, Shonda, did you have anything else you wanted to add? Because you got a lot of notes here, and I want to make sure <laughs> if you got anything you gotta you want to add, because we can piggyback off of that. Did you have anything you wanted to add real quick? Um, I, I was just thinking about all, all of us have been delivered from something. All of us have been brought from something, whether you're in the church or not. And if where God has brought you from, if in your mind that is still home for you, you will always rebel against the governorship or the rulership of God that tells you there's more going. Freedom will always feel like bondage to you if you can't let go of where he brought you from. So you have to have an open mind and be willing to hear be willing to listen, be willing to transcend your thoughts and feelings and get to the soul level where the answers are. If you intend to learn anything about yourself or God. <laughs> Stephen just get, got up and danced the jig real quick. Hey, no, that was, that was some heavy knowledge. Steph, anything that you want to add to the conversation? Not today, Mr. McGuire. <laughs> All right, well, when we started, the, the Block is Hot segment was brought to you by, brought to us by Shonda. It was her idea. I told you all that we will have some intro music before we did the Block is Hot. So here's the intro music to introduce the Block is Hot. Hey! 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 <laughs> So let's go on before we close out and hit this block is hot topic. So Shonda, do you got any block is hot topics for us this week? You know, it's, I really try to curtail, um, you know, what I say. Okay. But I'm, I'm going to say this cause this, this keeps the block hot. I'm so tired of people just lying. Just tell the truth. You know what I mean? Just tell the truth. Don't lie on God. Don't lie on nobody else. Just tell the truth. If we really just told the truth about what we feel, how we're really thinking, if we weren't trying to control the outcome of situations and just said what it is, we will all just be better people. The church will be better. The world will be better. Our homes will be better. Our jobs will be better. If we just didn't tell the lie or live it. You got anything for the block is hot, Stefan. Yeah. Um, invest in God. Um, this thing came to me earlier this week, and it was a uh, hard work without God is like revving an engine in a driveway. You can run out of gas, 
in one place without going anywhere. Hard work with God is an unlimited tank of gas with a destination. Bam. There it is. All right. And <laughs> All right. <laughs> my, block, my block is hot subject is this for the church folks. So I just recently saw that um, the movie Halloween. Oh, come on. The movie Halloween with Michael Myers. Here we go. (laughs) With Michael Myers. It was some some controversy, I guess, that was coming out because he apparently killed a homosexual couple. But I haven't seen the movie, but I guess he killed everybody in the house. And it was a a same-sex couple in in the house. And people are saying that he's homophobic because he killed these people, even though Michael Myers has been killing people. He has been an equal opportunity murderer his whole life. But the reason I bring this up is because, you know, I saw like a lot of church folks I know posting, saying things about it. And I'm just going to say this church folk, because we read the word. Do you read the word Stefan? I read the word. The Bible says, as it was in the day in Sodom and Gomorrah, so shall it be in the coming of man. We cannot be surprised, shocked, clutching pearls when we see these type of things going on. Our job should be this. And like I said to Shonda before the podcast, mics came on. When you worrying about everybody else's business, that means you're not worrying about Jesus's business. And when you're not worrying about Jesus's business, that means you're not worrying about bringing souls to Christ. Because my thing is, is you worrying about getting upset because of the, the climate is changing. Do you know how to bring these people to the church, to Christ, who the, who's trying to change the climate? And if you can't do that, then don't bring it up anymore. And that was The Block is Hot. All right? So... As always, I love doing this show with you guys. <laughs> um, we're going to go ahead and close it out. So we go with you first, Rabbi. Okay. Um, John five thirty nine says, You search the scripture, for in them you think you have eternal life. But these are they which testify of me. People's reasons for leaving um, God or not believing are as varied as the people themselves. But let me just say to you, this to you time is is getting faster it's winding up find you a reason to come back don't get caught up in the reasons why god doesn't exist the world and all in it proves that he does from the complexity of our planet the uniform laws of nature even down to your dna code it all proves that god does exist Amen. Amen. Steph. Uh, Romans chapter one, verse 17 says for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed a righteousness that is by faith first from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. It is very important that, um, we trust in God and trusting in God requires faith. Um, not being able, I know it's very hard for us to feel like, uh, Things aren't in our control, and we're so used to doing that because everything typically is from a human standpoint. You know, you can go where you want. You can do what you want. You can drive here. You can drive there. You can order what you want. You can cancel that Amazon package that didn't come an hour before the two days hit. (laughs) Yes, you can. Um, But trusting in God requires more than that. Um, It requires patience. It requires obedience, and it does require sacrifice. So um, trust in God. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Steph. So I'm going to hit with a scripture. You know, I don't always hit with a scripture when I close it out, but I'm going to hit with a scripture. Um, Just give a quick synopsis. Uh, This was uh, Paul was in Athens. This is um, Acts 17. And when he was in Athens, he noticed that a lot of the people in Athens used to like to gather around this uh, statue that was said the statue of the unknown God. And they would gossip and talk about the different religions and things of the world. And Paul noticed this and um, he stood in front of them. So I'm going to start at uh, Acts 17, um, verse 22. So Paul standing in the midst of Aeropagus said, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown This I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, 
being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by men, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made one man, every nation of, and he made from one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us for in him, we live, we move and we have our being. So I don't think I have too much to add to what Paul just dropped on us. So with that being said, I just want to thank you all for listening to another episode of road to Damascus, where it's not about the road. It's about the journey. And until next time, thank you for listening and God bless.